At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. This episode of Who Would Win is sponsored by BetterHelp. Is there something interfering with your happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goals? Look, we've all been there, and a good therapist, counselor, or psychiatrist can literally be life-changing, and it's never been easier to find one now with BetterHelp. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can start communicating with one in under 48 hours. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's professional counseling done securely online. There's a broad range of expertise available, which may not be locally accessible in many areas, but the good news is that this service is available for clients worldwide. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your counselor. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room like you would with traditional therapy. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. Visit BetterHelp.com slash www that's better h-e-l-p and join the over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional better help is offering who would win listeners and fans 10 percent off their first month by going to betterhelp.com slash www again that's 10 percent off your first month by going to betterhelp.com slash www On his quest to find the gate of truth, state alchemist Edward Elric makes his way to the next destination. Philosopher stones are hard to come by, but word is a homunculus was seen in the area, so to this area Edward will go. It is then that a horned traveler takes up the road in front of Edward, preventing passage. With smoke swirling around him, the trickster god Loki holds up what appears to be a philosopher's stone. Want this? Loki asks. Then I'll need you to do some favors for me. I'm in no mood for favors, Edward retorts. Hand it over. Loki smiles and takes a half step backwards. If you don't do what I want, I will hurt you. Edward leans back himself in preparation and quietly mutters, To grow, one must sacrifice. Show me what you've got. And this battle is about to get wild. It's Asgardian versus Alchemist. It's Horns versus Automail. It's Loki versus Edward Elric today on Who Would Win? 
And welcome to another episode of Who Would Win, a show that completely ignores anything important happening in the world and instead focuses on a fictional battle between two characters from the worlds of comic books, sci-fi, and fantasy. I'm your host, James Gavsey, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Ray Stacanis. Today's matchup, Ray, I am so insanely excited for this. Look, on one side, you've got the god of mischief, Loki, who's absolutely incredible. We've seen him in live action. He's going to have a series coming out soon. This character is incredible versus... The protagonist of one of my favorite anime and manga series of all time, Edward Elric, the Full Metal Alchemist. This matchup is absolutely insane. So, of course, I did the patented Who Would Win Google test to see how many people have been talking about it. Look, I would have bet a thousand bucks. There's at least a lot of people talking about this. You won't believe it. No one. This match has not been mentioned once. How crazy is that? Yet again, you get a premier matchup with the Who Would Win show. Ray, what do you think is going to happen in today's matchup? Well, I think Loki's going to dominate Edward Elric and find his way to victory quite quite easily, quite honest with you. Because Here we go. I know the character and I know myself, so I see nothing to stand in our way because I also know Edward Elric and I know you. Now, you say the Loki show's coming out pretty soon. Loki is actually coming out today. Today, Loki show comes out. So watch the show, hear Loki get the victory, and then go watch his show right afterwards. What a great afternoon delight we all could be having on a Wednesday. Ray, are you saying that there's no chance for the Full Metal Alchemist to actually pull out a win with this, uh, this battle today? I know for a fact there's no chance that Edward Elric should win this matchup, but as I've seen time and time again <laughs> on the Who Would Win show, what I think should be possible and what actually happens are often two different trees in the same field. That's fair. Now, here's the deal. Speaking about the fantastical and, and what should happen, what shouldn't happen, we had an interesting post in our Facebook group. So TJ Jones, one of my favorite posters in the Who Would Win Facebook group, came up with this interesting post where he said, here's a list of animals. And they, he said, which animal from biggest to largest or the smallest to biggest could you take on? Now, of course, he started off with a rat, went down to like a mongoose, kangaroo, and then grizzly bear, you know, was the apex predator that you had to take on. Now, look, being from Canada, fighting a grizzly bear is what we used to call phys ed. So not really a big deal for me. But Ray, for you, I'm curious, are you kind of a rat type of person? Are you taking on a mongoose? Are you going to kind of go for the gusto and go with a kangaroo? First off, I want to say one of the most surprising things about this chart, I know what you're talking about, is only 78% of responders said they could beat the rat. Have confidence in yourself, 22% of the country. I believe that it should be closer to 99.5% of people should be able to beat a rat. You can't beat a rat that is, that is absolutely outrageous to me. Look, I could take on all manner of animals. Look, if I had wrestled even longer than I did in the ring, there would have been a point where I would have been in there with a bear or a kangaroo <laughs> or a moose or something. And I'm just glad that I got out before the carnival arrived. Fun fact about me, I actually had a possibility to wrestle a bear at a local circus kind of thing going on in uh, some part of Georgia. And I was really thinking about it. It was declawed. It had a muzzle. It was only about a 250-pound bear. I'm 250 pounds. What could go wrong? Oddly enough, I didn't do it. But I've always wondered what if. Now, Ray, quick question for you. What if you and I were to combine our powers? Oh, interesting. What would be the, yeah, what would be the biggest? Like if you took my, my size, strength, MMA background, and your – Ability to hit someone with a chair from behind when they're not looking. Like, what do you think? It. Yeah, right. What, what do you think we could take on? What's the biggest, most powerful predator we could take on? 
The biggest pre- I think we could take on the predator. Let me just go ahead and start there. Does he count yeah. as an alien? That's sort of an animal. So I Absolutely. think together we could drop the predator. Unfortunately, you don't make it, James, in this story. So, oh, well, you got to <laughs> break a few eggs. You know, it's going to happen. But uh, as far as animals on this earth, now, I think we could stand up really, really well to a blue whale. I think we could absolutely do that. Now, I don't know that we could take it out, but I think we could hit it to the point where it battlefield removes itself. I think we'd have no problem against a blue whale on land. In the water, possibly, but if we had it on land, I think oh, you and I done. have, you know, we, we play the long game, and this is really cool, I mess up a whale on land. <laughs> this is really cruel. Ray, you're a monster for talking about this kind of I, stuff. I've been told. Yeah, okay. Now, now speaking of people who are not monsters, it's time to introduce our next guest judge. Making their third appearance on the Who Would Win show is a star of Kuroko Basketball with season two now available on Netflix. It's Hawks. The number two hero really should be the number one hero from My Hero Academia. It's the one and only Zeno Robinson. Zeno, welcome back to Who Would Win. Hey, 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 what's good? Zeno, you're a fan favorite, and for those who Aww. don't remember, you had a little bit of an interesting uh, exchange, if you will, with Ray Chikanis <laughs> the last time you were on the show. We were doing Magneto versus The Flash. In yeah. your infinite wisdom, you gave the win to The Flash, but that wasn't enough for Ray. He had to keep going on and on. I was about to answer all of his points, but then you stepped in, and in this brilliance, <laughs> this geek culture, you know, genius IQ you have, you kept shutting him down point after point. How do you feel coming back into the show after that exchange? <laughs> I love I love you guys. I love my the best part about this stuff is debating the the the, the finite points of of who would get the upper hand. So, you know, um I I I there's a certain kind and I like debating. I like fighting. So, like uh, there's you know, I had to come back, uh, you know. Who's getting fought today? We'll see. <laughs> well, that's the whole thing. Like, you know, you're so up to date with everything to do with geek culture. You know, how familiar are you with both Loki and Edward Elric, the Full Metal Alchemist? I'd say I'm pretty familiar with both. Full Metal Alchemist, especially Brotherhood, is one of my favorite anime, like, ever. So really? I'm pretty well versed, yeah, in, like, in that world. And I'm pretty well versed with uh, the power system. And I, I would say I'm pretty well versed in Marvel as well. Loki, not so much, but I do, I think, I feel like I know enough. But uh, based on what I'm going to get from you guys, I'm, I'm sure I'm going to judge fairly. All right, you know, everyone's looking forward to this. And, of course, we always look forward to everything you do, all the shows you're on, wherever you lend your voice talents. Uh, You know, of course, we love you with My Hero Academia, your Hawks, the number two hero, which, again, I'll debate should be the number one (laughs) hero with Endeavor. Just putting that out there. (laughs) But you're also the star of Kuroko Basketball. And we were talking before the show, and you came up with a great description of it. Tell our fans all about it. Yeah, so Kuroko's basketball is uh, pretty much Dragon Ball. I, I kind of call it Dragon Ball Z, but basketball. It's like these uh, this team, uh, and they're going up against other teams, and each other team they go up against has a player from this Generation of Miracles, including the main team. But they have a player from the Generation of Miracles, and they're all like prodigies in basketball. They're like just impossible feats making baskets from anywhere on the court half court the other side and like there's one guy who's like literally the perfect defense because he's like incredibly tall and his wingspan super tall so he can block any shot and shut down any like drive it's it's great it's great i play taika kagami who's like he loves basketball all he wants to do is like kind of like goku all he wants to do is go up against strong basketball players and strong teams it's a lot of fun it's 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 really crazy it's like over the top basketball i love it you know i I was just thinking about this 
you know, one thing I, you don't see with My Hero Academia is them playing sports. Yeah. <laughs> right. So uh, how, how would a team take your best team or best make up the best team from My Hero Academia from for, right. you know, for basketball, put yeah. them up against that other series you're in? Who's okay. winning that that basketball match? It, I, you know, the, in Kuroko's basketball, they have this this thing called uh, in the zone and it like heightens their basketball abilities to their fullest extent. So I don't know how well like a, a superpower really is going to do against a guy who can see where the ball is going at all times, you know? So I, I don't know. The Kuroko people, they might have it. They are, especially of all the generation of miracles are on one team. You know, you know, you can't really Deku can't really do anything if the guy gets the ball and shoots it from anywhere. A three that you, you know, I don't yeah, know. yeah. What's Deku gonna do with his uh, shoot style kick? Especially with the rules, right? With right. The rules. How are you gonna the basketball rules? Like he can, you know, he might be able to jump and grab it, but I, I see half of the uh, My Hero Academia team uh, fouling out. Quite frankly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or like breaking some kind of rule, like they'd be yeah. like you can't. Yeah. Bakugo is not that. playing fair. Oh no, he's no. exploding the face of the first guy. That does him wrong. He's getting fouled out for sure. <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right. So you you have this great background for you know geek culture. You you know Loki. You know Full Metal Alchemist inside and out. Ray, we can't have a better situation, a better set for a battle. With all that said, it's really about that time. Do us the honors and announce today's matchup. Representing Marvel Comics, the trickster god with horns so big that Gustavo Dudamel tried to conduct him, Loki. Like, that one's a thinker. Not everyone's going to get that. Yeah, and that representing the world of anime, the hero who would give an arm and a leg to become an alchemist, Edward Elric. You knew that was coming. <laughs> By the way, it was well done. Well done. Uh, nice. Okay, now before we go any further, let's go over the official rules of a Who Would Win match. Rule number one, each debater will make three points. Rule number two, the Who Would Win match is a random encounter in a neutral location with no prior knowledge of the opponent or time to prepare for the fight. Rule number three, the debater must stay within the confines of the character's personality, and the exact version of that character has to be specifically stated. Ray, there's a whole bunch of different versions of Loki out there. Which version are you repping today? Today I'll be using the comic book version of Loki, but I'm not going to really do a lot with the kid Loki and, and was it uh, Lady Loki? Is that the other one that uh, uh, that Loki's been? I'm really going to stick to sort of the mainline original 616 Loki uh, up until the point when he was kind of blown out. Uh, what is it, by the void? Uh, he, he got torn in half, and that was really, that's when he started these other storylines. I'm sticking with kind of the OG Loki. Got it. Okay, so there's... For uh, Full Metal Alchemist, there's two anime series. The reason for this, by the way, because a lot of people were asking me about this, I believe the first one that came out around 2003 was developed before the manga had actually finished. So they were actually having episodes being produced while the manga was also being produced. But I'm going to rep El Edward Elric from Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood that came out after. That one's based really uh, primarily off of the manga. So that'll be the version. Ray, you're doing the 6-1-6 version of Loki. This bodes really well. Now, rule number four. Debaters may only use examples of skills, powers, or weapons that are a long-established part of the character's continuity. Feats from non-canon crossovers are allowed, but will be given less weight. Rule number five. The winner of the debate is whoever the judge decides is the best case for defeating their opponent by death, submission, or battlefield removal. Finally, rule number six, the judge is the final arbiter and can disallow or veto any point 
they feel violates these rules or established logic. Now, feel free to check out the official rules on our website, whowouldwinshow.com. And before we get started, don't forget to visit the official Who Would Win store. Get your official Who Would Win t-shirts, mugs, and merchandise by going to whowouldwinshow.com and clicking on the merch section. We have a new sponsor for Who Would Win, and I think y'all might enjoy this one. It is Marvel Strike Force. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile game that taps into everything we all love about Marvel Comics. You get to pick a squad of your favorite Marvel heroes you know, and villains, let's keep it real, and team them up to fight big bads like Doctor Doom and, of course, save the universe. Your goal in Marvel Strike Force is to power up your characters and compete PvP against other players in multiple different modes. And you know I'm not telling you all about this empty-handed, because if you're a new user and sign up with our promo code MAXPOOL, M-A-X-P-O-O-L, you're going to get hooked up with all kinds of free stuff to get you started the right way. Let's face facts. You love Marvel, you love gaming, and you got a phone. So take a sec and check out Marvel Strike Force using the link in the description of this episode, ideally, and use our promo code MAXPOOL and get the whole Who Would Win show hookup. Thanks again to Marvel Strike Force and thanks to me for this great read. Good job, me. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Experience full plates and fuller wallets with Every Plate, America's best value meal kit. The holidays are upon us. Give yourself and your wallet a break. Every plate is 50% cheaper than a meal made from grocery store ingredients, and each recipe couldn't be easier to follow. With every plate, you can choose between 17 recipes that change each week and swap proteins, veggies, and sides to your liking. And all that for the same price as one cup of coffee. It's assuredly cheaper than that pumpkin spice latte. Last week, my family challenged me to make something great for dinner. So I ordered the amazing hibachi-style steak rice bowls from every plate for my family, Super easy and super quick to prepare, by the way. Now, my entire family thinks I'm an amazing cook. And thanks to every plate, you know what? They're not wrong. Each meal gives you simple step-by-step instructions and pre-portioned ingredients to make it fast and easy. Hey, I've said it before. If you can build a bookshelf, you can make a great meal with every plate. And the choices are varied. I've personally made crispy Caesar chicken, pork and poblano tacos, and bibimbap. And all of the above turned out absolutely fantastic. Get started with EveryPlate for just $1.79 per meal by going to everyplate.com and entering code WWW179. That's just $1.79 per meal by going to everyplate.com and entering code WWW179. Try this offer and you'll see firsthand why EveryPlate is America's best value meal kit. And now, let's get to the tale of the tape for both of our combatants. Ray, please give us the details on Loki. Loki is the son of the king of the Frost Giants, who was raised by Odin as the adopted son of Asgard. He first appeared in Journey into Mystery number 85 in 1962 and was created by Stan Lee, Jack Kirby, and Larry Lieber. 
Now grown, Loki is the god of mischief and Thor's brother. And there was another version of Loki, but he wasn't really the same one, so I'm not counting it. Despite being the son of the king of the frost giants, Loki was small and considered not fit, but he adapted well to being brought in by Odin and given a place in Asgardian society. As he was not strong enough to compete with his brother Thor, Loki instead turned to learning science and magic to help swing the odds back to his favor. Loki has been a constant thorn in Thor's side, often serving as a main antagonist for the character of Thor, using deceit and sorcery to control every place where he finds himself. Fun fact, Loki will always be a character who is tough to pin down. And we could also add gender fluidity to his arsenal. Because in the 2014 story, Loki, Agent of Asgard, Loki took the form of both a man and a woman at different points. In Mighty Avengers, he impersonated the Scarlet Witch. And in Secret Invasion Dark Reign, he took over the body of Lady Sif, who was dating his brother Thor at the time. Okay. This actually all comes from the Norse mythology, though, that Loki is based off of, where Loki spent eight years as a milkmaid who birthed several children, so all of this lines up as to who this character is. Hey, June is Pride Month, and I wanted to take one moment to say you were all seen, and I have full respect for the LGBTQ community, and that is Loki. Here, here. You know, nice. Loki is such an interesting character because growing up with, you know, Thor and, and Captain America and what have you, Loki was kind of seen as not as comic relief, but not as a serious character on their own, on his own. And then all of a sudden, you know, in the 2000s and then, you know, with the Avengers, whatever, and with what Marvel's doing, them, Loki is a big time player in the Marvel universe. It's true. This is this is a really interesting character. Mm hmm. Yeah, I want to say he was rated, I think it was number three or number four all-time Marvel villains at this point in a recent wow. poll. So, like, he's getting the cred that he deserves. Mm -hmm. About time. All right, well done right now. Here are the details for the Full Metal Alchemist. The Full Metal Alchemist is a Japanese manga series written and illustrated by Hiromo Arakawa and was serialized in Square Enix's monthly Shonen Gangan Shonen Manga, say that five times fast, magazine between July 2001 and June 2010. Set in the early, early 20th century in a fictional universe in which alchemy is a widely practiced science, the series follows the journey of two alchemist brothers, Edward and Alphonse Eric, who are searching for the Philosopher's Stone to restore their bodies after a failed attempt to bring their mother back to life using alchemy. By the way, that's one of the creepiest scenes in the whole series. Still haunts me to this day. Now, Edward Elric earned the title of Full Metal Alchemist alchemist from the government and was certified as a state alchemist at the age of 12, something unheard of at the time. Using his superior alchemy skills and combat proficiency, Edward attempts to solve the mystery of the Philosopher's Stone, all while trying to reverse the effects of his taboo act of bringing the living back from the dead. And here's an interesting fact about Full Metal Alchemist. Did you know that no one really knows what the creator of the Full Metal Alchemist really looks like? And the person's name is Hiromu Arakawa. It's actually true. There's no known official photo of the creator. If readers were to search Hiromu Arakawa on Google, they would find either a cartoonish bespectacled cow or Romy Park, another person posing as Arakawa. Although yeah. she's incognito from the public sphere, she sometimes, sometimes responds to an email. And now you have the facts on both opponents. Zeno, do you have any questions before we get started? No, just a cut. That's pretty cool. Like, uh, I don't know if you guys, I know you guys had Adam on the show, but the, the, the mangaka of uh, Jujutsu Kaisen is the same way. Uh, Gege Akutami. He, uh, or they, they, I think it's a he though. There's no pictures of him anywhere. And he actually did a live interview 
And instead of showing his face, he dressed up as one of his characters. Oh uh, he went to he went in cosplay as one of his characters, Mechamaru. So it's like a whole like mask and everything. So it's pretty interesting that like I don't know I just found that interesting. That, like manga could do that. Like manga creators, like they don't like having their face shown. I guess some of them. why not to hijack this off where we're going. Why is that? Is that a thing? Is it is it because they like to keep their anonymity or like what, what's going on with that? Yeah, I kind of have a feeling that maybe it's to keep the anonymity. Yeah, that's a hard one. Anonymity. Anonymity. I'm Canadian. Uh, I say things differently. <laughs> yeah, maybe I think I think so. Probably something like, especially if you create something that's like popular, right? Like Fullmetal Alchemist, a lot of this big big show. You might not want to get stopped. You know, some people aren't ready for the fame that comes you know? from being Zeno Robinson, Grace Canis, <laughs> or James Gabsey. Exactly. Just, not everyone's exactly. ready for that. Not everyone's ready. <laughs> no, they're not. We all were though. Oh yeah. <laughs> all right. <laughs> with that being said, Ray, go ahead and hit us with your point number one. Point number one for Loki. Let's just talk a little bit about the raw power of the character. Because when we think of Loki, you know, we know him from the MCU. We know him from the movies. We don't necessarily think of him as being a super, super powerful being. But he is exactly that. In fact, the strength of Loki, what with him being son of the king of the frost giants and raised in the world of Asgard, he's a beefy character. This guy can lift over 50 tons. 50 tons of raw strength. So when he hits you, he's hitting you with potentially 50 tons of force. Look, I've seen a little bit of Full Metal Alchemist. I can't say I've seen all of the entire Brotherhood series. I don't see nobody getting hit with 50 tons of force in that series. That is a lot to have to contend with right out the gate. In fact, at one point, Loki fought the Silver Surfer, and they were able to match strength versus strength for an extended period of time before Silver Surfer started getting the edge. That puts Loki slightly under a cosmic-level Marvel being of the Silver Surfer. In fact, Silver Surfer's hit Loki, and he was able to come back from that no problem at all. In fact, Rogue, we all know the character Rogue, she touches you, she takes your powers. There's one point where she said, oh, Suga, I'm going to go get Loki. I'm going to go get them magic powers. She touched him and got hurt by it. Nothing happened. He was too powerful for Rogue, one of the most powerful mutants in our world, to do anything to. He's fast as well. He's been able to dodge Thor's hammer. Hey, he can tank as well. He tanked Thor's hammer right to the jaw. Thor hit him right in the face with Mjolnir, and Loki was fine. Loki was dazed for a second, and he came back and kept fighting, no problem. Heck, we all remember the iconic scene in the Avengers movie when the Incredible Hulk smashes him with the, by the legs and hits him over and over and over again. That is ripped almost identically from the comic books of Loki, where the Hulk did the same feat to Loki and left him lying there in, in that little crater that his body made and left him feeling really uncomfortable. What they don't show you is in the comic books, within two panels, Loki was back up and fighting more. <laughs> That is not an attack that put him down for any period of time as well, even though it stunned him for a few seconds. Hey, Spider-Man. We think of Spider-Man. It's a pretty strong character. If Spider-Man was in the world of Full Metal Alchemist, I'd have to believe he'd be doing pretty well for himself. Spider-Man decided he was just going to go up and rock on Loki, and he was going to throw them hands and take out Loki, no problem. So Spider-Man danced around him, punching, kicking, hitting him with everything he could get, and Loki didn't move. Loki just sat there and took it all talking to Spider-Man, talking down to him before finally knocking him out of the way with one shot. He's just that powerful. He is a god. It must be said. In fact, Loki can take things. Like, we've seen him tank bullets over and over again. Machine gun fire bounces off him like no problem at all. We've seen him get his head cut off. 
He got his head cut off. That's normally an end game for most people. Loki gets his head cut off and he just quickly went over, put it back onto his body and he was fine. My question being, what can Edward Elric do that's going to be able to bring down a character that all these other very powerful characters can't do anything to at all? And the other last thing I want to say about this is his endurance. Edward Elric is a kid. At the end of the day, he's a young man. You know, what is he, a teenager over the course of this series? I mean, he became a, a full metal alchemist, state alchemist when he was 12 years old. I don't think he's much older than that as the show uh, uh, carries out. So how's the endurance going to play out for a young man not necessarily trained for that? Well, I've seen Loki fight for 24 straight hours before finally starting to feel slightly tired. Can Edward Elric go for 24 straight hours against a character that's powerful? I would argue no. And that's my point number one. Interesting. Okay, a couple of things I got I to gotta talk to you about here, Ray. So first of all, in that battle, I believe you're referencing with Loki when he took on the Silver Surfer, he did actually pull the Silver Surfer down off his uh, board and hit him. And Waller Silver move. Surfer, yeah, was just lying there saying like, oh, cool. Uh, yeah, that didn't hurt. Now, he did pull him off his board, which is impressive, but the Silver Surfer was like, yeah, yeah, yeah it's not hurting. And he literally said that doesn't hurt whatsoever. Just putting that out there. Doesn't mean it doesn't hit hard. Just putting that out there. Secondly, how good are Loki's fighting skills? Like, if you were to rank him 1 to 10, where is fighting skills? Uh, I'm not 100% sure because we, when we see Loki fight, he's normally so much as like Superman. He's normally so much more powerful than many of the characters around him. He doesn't have to fight. So he just tends to do one backhand shot and knock people across the room when he's not doing other you know things I'll talk about in later points as well. So as far as being trained to fight, look, he's an Asgardian and all the Asgardians are taught how to fight. So I have to believe he's good at fighting, but he's probably not elite at fighting. So I, I'd say he's a brawler. Right. Is that a good way to say it? Like he's a brawler, like he'll backhand, he'll swing something. Yeah, but, you know, I he's guess. not like an when elite I think fighter. of a brawler. I think of somebody who's not necessarily always in control of their actions. And I don't see that with Loki. So sort of. OK, we'll go with sort of. OK, so the other thing, I think Edward uh, Elric is about 18 at the end of the series. That's fair. So, still a teenager. Yeah, yeah. yeah, still a teenager. But an 18 year old's got a lot of stamina. Plus, he has, you know, some powers and some stuff he can do to extend I mean, I've heard a that's, rumor. Yeah, that's that's fair. Now, most importantly of all, can you do the impression of Rogue one more time? I can. <laughs> all right. Take the powers, y'all. The people at home will have to rewind, James. Okay, that's fair. Gotta, okay. I, I was, for two I was, Rogue impressions in one show. I was just taken by your Rogue impression. I thought it was... I thought Smitten, it was it's like Rogue was... I've, been, I've actually been working on it uh, and workshopping it very hard. Yeah. All right. I was like, how did Rogue get here? This is crazy. <laughs> why, does, why does she sound like she's from Detroit? This is crazy. Okay, now let me get to my point number one. Let's just talk alchemy. Let's just get there right away. So in the world of Full Metal Alchemist, here's the deal. People can use alchemy like a real legit science because they can tap into the Earth's energy and that helps him to mani manipulate the elements and edward elric may be the greatest human ever to practice alchemy no joke and that's a huge thing when you come in the world of full metal alchemist so the way it works is you typically need to create what's called a transmutation circle and that's a symbol where then you put it on the ground or the object you're trying to transmute to turn it from one thing into another you've got to touch it put your energy through it and the magic happens edward elric on the other hand doesn't need that. He can put his hands, slap his hands together, and then touch whatever he needs to do, and there you go. So he's at an elevated level of alchemy, well above almost everyone else. There's a few things that he is restricted by. There's the law of equivalent exchange. This is a prevalent thing throughout the show, where 
something cannot be created from nothing. I'm reading the actual law now. So in order to obtain something, something else of equal value must be given. That means you have a pound of gold, for example, a pound of gold. You can't turn into a thousand pounds of diamonds. It's got to be something equivalent. But there's also three rules of alchemy as well that he has to go by. Now, the reason I'm explaining this is because as much as these are rules, they actually explain what he can do with his powers, which is pretty much almost anything. So uh, the first rule is comprehension, meaning he needs to know the elemental makeup and the weights of the elements of the thing he's about to transmute. He does something in the show all the time where he says, hey, the average human is comprised of 35 liters of water, 20 kilograms of carbon, four liters of ammonia, and I can go on and go on and on. He knows the elemental weights. Why? Because he's actually studied the weights of everything. He's a genius when it comes to alchemy. So he can he knows how to take everything apart. He knows how to understand what he's dealing with. The second part is the destruction. And this is when he breaks things down into the elemental parts. And then there's the reconstruction. It's where he puts the elements back together in different configurations. So at his full potential, Edward can do almost anything. And I mean anything. He can turn anything into weapons such as spears, swords, and shields, firearms, or massive giant-sized cannons that are shooting out missiles. It's crazy. He can turn a gun into a trumpet. Why you would do that? Not sure, but why not? He can take an entire house that's absolutely obliterated. You hit that transmutation with his hands, touch it, and reform the whole house very, very quickly. It's done within seconds. He can create a massive cannon. I'm talking about a you know a King Kong-sized cannon that shoots massive cannonballs. He can create that out of materials, again, within seconds. He can heal himself to degree and other people. He can bring a massive Godzilla-sized creature to life and have it do his bidding. That's the really crazy part. He can take objects, turn them, manipulate them into something else. All of a sudden, you have a kaiju who's now doing your bidding, taking out whatever's there. He did this with a road. He took a road and turned it into a giant arm and hand and commanded to smash people and subdue his opponents. He can use the destruction to literally blow anything apart. He can also create massive explosions that can destroy a city. With deconstruction, he's able to destroy something on a molecular level. So you're talking about how does he take on someone like Loki, who's so powerful? It's with this deconstruction and also his alchemy as well. He can surround himself with a dome or shields made of materials. He can make an object denser and more durable turn ammonia in something into ammonia and have it dissipate into the air. So if he's ever facing someone, he can literally touch them and have them turn into a gas. And literally, they, they, they can't do anything and they float away. He can bring any type of inanimate object alive and have it attack his opponent in the form of like octopus tendrils or pipes that come alive and surround it like Doc Ock stuff. He can change that same tendril into an exploding object once it hits you. And he can change one thing from form, form to another. Like, again, super, super quickly. It's super easy for him. And the, my favorite part about this is Edward can actually duplicate the alchemy or alchemic powers of other alchemists because he understands exactly what they're doing and how they're using alchemy to accomplish whatever it is they're trying to accomplish. He gets it. He sees it. He's like, I can do that too. So he can duplicate powers. On a side note, his alchemy is so strong that it can counter and shut down another person's alchemy. If someone tries to take away his abilities or try to transmute something, his alchemy can actually counteract what they're doing and shut it down. He can actually shut down powers. When it comes to alchemy, I hope I'm making myself really clear here, there's literally no one better at using it or weaponizing it for either an attack or defense than Edward Elric. That's my point number one. No, there's a lot of good things that you said right there. Look, we learned that the character from Full Metal Alchemist is really good at alchemy. Okay, well, you know, I mean, and why do they call him a Full Metal Alchemist when he only has a metal arm and a metal leg? 
he should be the half metal alchemist or one third metal alchemist. I mean, like, I really don't like the false advertising this show puts forward, to be quite frank with you. Now, a few things that I noticed when watching the show is for as powerful as Edward is, and he is a very powerful character. Look, he's the main character of the series. And these types of anime series, those characters tend to balloon in power until it gets absolutely nuts. But I have seen him take a loss in a lot of different battles. There's another character named Mustang. And I watched that character snap his fingers a few times and send Edward racing because he was blowing up the air around him with fire. So look, he's very, very powerful. He's maybe the most powerful alchemist in his entire realm, but does that magic equate to what Loki's doing? I don't know. And you talk about how you need to give a little in order to make a lot. So how does he create this kaiju monster without, you know, having to like essentially destroy everything around him? How does he summon enough material he needs to do enough damage to Loki? I would have to believe something powerful enough to even hurt Loki would be too much and kill Edward. If only there was a way for him to do that or to do something that could affect Loki. Hopefully I have something at my further points. Too bad you don't. I know, that's crazy. Now, uh, Zeno, you've heard point number one from both Ray and myself. Where is your head at right now with this battle? Okay, so I actually did have a couple questions for you on Edward's point one. So Edward has to know the molecular, he has to know the elemental structure of whatever he's trying to manipulate. But does that count? But he can also destroy things and and bring them back, correct? That is correct. So he, does he need to know the structure to destroy and to create, or is it only to turn one thing into another thing? Not to destroy or create. And even when it comes to, you know, knowing the alco- the, you know, the molecular breakdown, that's if he wants to do something really fine-tuned. Remember, as a kid, that got the thing that got him into this mess was what? Trying to bring back his mom from the dead. Mm-hmm. So he had to, he's like, okay, a human has to weigh this much, is made of this, this, and this. I have to give something up of equal value for that equivalent exchange for that to work. Right. That's right. where that all came from. And then he just went nuts and started studying like crazy. Remember, he's a voracious reader. He is a, a prodigy when it comes to alchemy because of his father, more on that later. And he is now someone who knows a lot about the molecular breakdown of a lot of different objects. With that being said, he doesn't have to know, hey, that bridge is... 15,600 pounds. I can destroy it. Big right. or turn it into something equivalent like right. a kaiju-sized monster. Exactly. Okay, cool. Cause, and then you said something that I was like, wasn't sure on. So he can, he can, he can create something like you said, tendrils, and then he can make those tendrils explode. He can, so he can manipulate uh, alchemy as he's already manipulating alchemy, if I'm not mistaken. That's correct. Okay, cool, cool, cool. So everyone's point one, the odds are sort of still in favor for Loki at this particular moment, just because he's a god. <laughs> like, just his overall power and endurance is going to be something that Edward's going to have to overcome. It sounds like you got a little bit something that Edward can have up, up the up the metal sleeve. You know, I am seeing ways that Edward can win. So I think it's got to be something that can get through Loki's sheer defensive kind of overwhelming superhuman strength overwhelming superhuman in endurance yeah that's it's, it's kind of looking like it's in loki's favor right now interesting now i would counter that with the fact that hawks from my hero academia is my daughter's favorite hero <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's what i would say to that all right good this is all good and you know ray's starting off strong which i kind of anticipated i do have a few little tricks up my sleeve but ray's been on a really good streak lately ray go ahead and hit us with your point number two 
Look, I'm going to say right now, if Loki's pure brawling ability currently has him ahead, holy crap, am I in good shape here. Point number two for Loki. Let's talk about the magic. Because Loki isn't even known as being a physical powerhouse, which he is. He's known for using magic. Now, the magic that he learned... It's really a fun story for Loki. It really tells the story of who he is because there was a light elf named Eldred who took Loki in and taught him everything that he knew about magic. And Loki, being Loki who he is, was very appreciative of being taught magic. So he killed Eldred and then sacrificed him to a fire demon named Surtur and then stole all of his power because that's who Loki is. He will stab you in the back if he has anything to gain. And if he can gain all of the power from a character like Eldred, he will do so. And what does that mean? It means that he has an entire array of magical powers. Quite frankly, whatever the people want to give him in the moment tends to be what he has. So he's a very creative magic user. Now he uses magical blasts. One of his most common things to do when he doesn't feel the need to get physical is he blows out magic blasts, which have been known to hurt basically everybody. There's a very powerful mutant named Apocalypse. We know Apocalypse. He's been in a few different movies. He's a pretty immovable force. Loki with one magic blast wrecked him. Just totally took out him. He was pretending to be somebody else. Loki was. Apocalypse thought he had him right where he wanted him in the middle of this like gripped weapon. And then Loki turns back and says, I can't believe you didn't know it was me the whole time. I thought you were smarter than that. And then blasts him. And Apocalypse went flying. Not just that. Loki likes to use illusions and deception. He is the trickster god after all. We've seen him so many times essentially go invisible, make it appear as if he's moving in one particular direction, and then all of a sudden he comes from nowhere to stab his enemy in the back. And I can absolutely see a situation where he sends forth one of his clones to go forward into the right, and Edward Elric, like, he just all of a sudden just starts throwing all this crazy alchemy stuff at what is nothing and then there's Loki right behind him to stab him right there in the back when he needs to. Because he doesn't just use illusions, he uses clones. You know, he brings forth other versions of himself as well to fight. So you talk about fighting a kaiju like Monster, cool, let's fight a lot of Lokis at the same time, let's do it. Because he's not just magically potent, but he knows what to do with it. There was one point he saw a nuclear bomb about to be dropped on a town because the, the bad people involved wanted to make a point. Like, they'll, they'll take notice when we nuke this city. And he just flew up to it stopped the nuke with his magic. He just waved his wand and then the bomb landed and it was a dud. It just didn't, nothing happened when it landed. If you could stop a nuke, I have to believe you can stop whatever the heck it is the full metal alchemist is going to throw at you. And I'm not even bringing up, but I will right now, the force fields. He can, pos he can pop up force fields all around himself to block whatever he needs to, if he even needs to. And he's also shown an affinity for using ice powers. He's been able to create ice walls. He's been able to encase his enemies in ice at any given time. And now Edward being who he is, I think he might have an answer for being encased in ice. I just have to believe it. And I think ice walls might provide a slight barrier, but eventually Edward could get through that. But heck, while Edward's trying to figure out how to work his way out of the ice thing, Loki's thinking three steps ahead because he's a genius and a genius tactician at the same time. And the last thing you do, you talk about Edward Elric bringing people to uh, bringing creatures to life. Well, Loki does that too. Loki can actually take inanimate objects and he can bring them to life and then fight on his behalf. So, you know, you might try to create these little monsters. I haven't seen actually Edward do that a whole lot, so I don't think you should be relying on that point a whole heck of a lot. I don't think that's something that he, quote-unquote, does all the time. But Loki will absolutely take the bench you're sitting on and attack you with it. He will absolutely, not just that, he can also take random people and give them superpowers. 
He can give random people superpowers just by wanting it to happen. Now, I know that we don't have outside interference in these battles, but if there are a whole bunch of bystanders, there's nothing to stop Loki from giving somebody a very, very you know, potent defensive power and just throwing him at Edward and make him deal with it. Nothing against that in the rules whatsoever. So what I'm trying to say is, the physical powers of Loki are just too much for Edward to begin with. And then when you add on the genius intellect, you add on the deception, you add on the magic, Loki is just plain too much because he is, as I said before, a god. And that's my point number two. You know, it's interesting because Edward was the one who had to discover the big deception that was happening within his world, right? The uh, homunculi were -hmm. these artificial humans who were set themselves up in different political positions of power, all under the orders of, you know, this figure called the father. And Edward was the one who had to figure that out. Every step of the way, he had to fight deception, something coming at him that wasn't really what he thought it was, but he had to figure it out. Loki coming at him, and again, this is a random encounter with no previous knowledge of the opponent. This is going to be a little bit of a different situation. Also, Loki is a slow starter. He is. Edward is highly aggressive. He's known for it. He'll fight first, kind of ask questions later, but he goes all in very quickly. He is that explosive. The other thing is, too, Loki, I got to agree, Loki is a genius and a strategic genius, but he's a long-term planner type of genius, a genius that's in the moment, having to take on all these random things at the same time to figure that out, that's not really Loki. He can deal with it. He's had some success. But the, between these two, the person who can deal with it, you know, random stuff happening and chaotic situations and come out beautifully time and time again, that's Edward Elric. Make a long-term plan. That's Loki, where you have previous knowledge. Random encounter, that's Edward Elric. Now, with that being said, let me get to my point number two. Let's talk about the other cool factors going for Full Metal Alchemist. First of all, besides his abilities as an alchemist, Edward is an insanely good fighter. We see him doing all these crazy acrobatic fighting techniques, kicking large creatures, nailing large, huge, powerful opponents. You know, by the way, there's a, a one of the homunculi named after the seven deadly sins is named Envy. He's this incredible Hulk-like character. Yeah, Edward's fought him, took shots, and gave him shots back. Dealing with someone who can lift 50 tons, Edward's actually done that before. Uh, now, he got this crazy martial arts training from the top fighters of their world. This uh, One of his teachers, Izumi, who also taught him alchemy. So it was alchemy and martial arts. Great combination. He's got automail. Ray, you were talking about that before. And that's that fake arm, that fake leg. But in this world, which is early 20th century, for some reason, they have these like exoskeleton-looking, highly functional, super-powered metal prosthetics that work really well. He's got all the movement between his toes and his fingers. It's like real body parts, except they help him move at accelerated speeds. He's a lot stronger with that arm, you know, breaking a tree in half by punching it, kicking a large chimera, lion-based chimera, kicking it with one kick and sending it flying through a wall. He does have enhanced strength through his prosthetics. Uh, also, they help him move way faster than normal. So we're not talking about a vanilla human here. We're talking about someone who can actually hit, move, and fight at a superhuman level. Remember, skill counts. And uh, on a skill level, Full Metal Alchemist is high, much more skilled than Loki, as weird as that sounds. Let's see. Also, on top of that, he can transmute his automail into weapons. So it's not just like he has these things and he hits them. No, no, no. He can turn them into swords. He can turn them into shields. 
He can turn them into even stronger metals just for the sake of fighting. He is that good at using those prosthetics. He's a super genius when it comes to using his alchemy on the spot. We already talked about it. He knows what stuff is made up or how to break stuff down on a molecular level for the most part, but he also knows how to take anything at random and use that to his advantage. Again, he's a fighting genius in the moment. Uh, let's see. He's also known for luring people into traps. So he'll fight them. He'll feign like he's losing. And then all of a sudden, he's got them exactly where he wants them, turns them into ammonia or use something else to trap them. He's that good in battle. With all this put together, Edward Edward has some major wins. Let's talk about it real quick. He's beaten, of course, other powerful alchemists within his world. He's, um, you know, either by outpowering or outmaneuvering them. Again, his alchemy is insane. He's battled and defeated those homunculi who I mentioned. And all of them are super strong, super fast, great fighters, super hard to kill. He's taken them on as well. Here's my favorite. He took on the most powerful being in the Full Metal Alchemist series. It's a character named, I mentioned before, named The Father. He did this after The Father, who was the original homunculus and a living philosopher's, philosopher's stone. Father absorbed, wait for it, God. Father absorbed God. He took on the most powerful, Edward Elric took on the most powerful creature on the planet after that, who was already the most powerful, after that creature boosted his power by absorbing God. So in this form, Father with God, he could create a sun in his hand, hold it, and then destroy it. He was that powerful. That's who Edward Elric had to take on. That's who he beat. Someone who could literally transmute the planet. That's who he beat at the end of the series. And that's my point number two. Now, I'm going to bring up some some stuff about that particular battle because I had a feeling that might come up. I did some research into it. That particular character of Father actually had Edward Elric completely defeated and pinned against a wall. It wasn't except for outside interference of his own brother sacrificing his own life, his own body, in order to help Edward regrow his arm. At which point, Edward was able to throw a couple of shots in, kind of like Rocky Balboa style, and was able to surprise Father and take him out. But that was only because of outside interference. If that had just been a 1v1 battle, Father wins that battle, Edward dies. So I want to make that very, very clear. Edward couldn't do that without a little help from his friends. And the other question I want to ask is about this auto mail. You know, I mentioned in my last point, Loki can turn things to life and make them attack people. The automail is not alive. The automail is just a machine. So what's preventing Loki, the trickster god, from turning automail alive, sentient, and having it attack Edward while attached to his body? That is not a situation Edward is ready for. That's a situation that, look, if I can come up with it right now, Loki could come up with it in the moment because he's way smarter than I am. And if you think Loki's going to be pulled in by some weird, like, feigning weakness bit, please, you're talking about the trickster god here. You're not talking about some pool shark, okay? Loki's got this. So here's the deal. When Loki and, the, and Edward Edward's first fight, how does Loki know that it's automail? I mean, it's well, covered obvious... with a glove. It's covered with a shirt, well, pants. L- Let me say right now, Loki lives in a world with Bucky Barnes, the Winter Soldier, who has almost the identical thing with him. And I'd have to say, based on his past experiences, he might not know Edward Elric, but he knows a guy with a metal arm and he knows what he could do to it. The the Winter Soldier who has an exposed metal arm. Mm -hmm. Like no shirt on it. It's just exposed. So you're saying, oh, I saw a metal arm. Hey, he's got an arm. That I'm, look, I'm like looking at the arm. picture right I'll behind you. you right now. I'm looking at the picture right behind you right now, James, and he's not wearing a shirt, so I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> Listen, we we all have action shots, and we all have different pictures of people who are shirtless. It's all good. We're fine. How dare you, Ray? You're a monster. Now, with that being said, mm-hmm. uh, you've heard two points from Ray. Two you've heard points. two points from me. Uh, also, by the way, on the God point, 
still a god. That was still something he had to take down. And by the way, that was his uh, one of his forms, not even his most powerful form. Now, with that being said, we're at the turning mm. point. We are now at a point where we've heard two points from Ray, two points from me. Zeno, tell us where your head is at. Who is winning this battle so far? And what does the other side have to do to pull out a win? Okay, so, hmm, it's, it's looking like it's going to be a tough battle. It's looking like the upper hand is still in, in Loki's favor. The god part, when you said that, though, really did... Because I need to... I ha- kind of have to ask, because that fight, that is with God, how... I'm just kind of wondering how I'm thinking, or how we're thinking Edward managed to win that. You know, I know there was outside interference, but I do remember that scene, and Edward just regrew his other arm, and he could still do... He could still do alchemy just the same. He just had a little, little bit of a second win, because he, his arm was trapped. Uh, and then he couldn't do... He couldn't do alchemy without the other arm, and that's why he was on the ropes. But if he had his other arm, he could, and so that's that was the that was the the turning point. I just happened. It's a little unfair for the Loki team because I just happened to know that scene. So I'm just kind of wondering how Edward pulled that off, and I think what that's going to be for Key for Team Edward is I'm a little bit of the specifics in what alchemy can do against a being that's stronger than it you know he has fought homunculi he has now he has fought god uh someone who could take its son and destroy it so what are the properties that edward and and edward using alchemy what what are those properties that can give him the upper hand against what is essentially another god and a movable force team loki just to make it fair you know you do have the upper hand loki has incredible strength he's he's very uh, clever and he seems to also have this wealth of of magic i need to kind of know i i just need to the 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 blockade how 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 can there be no chinks in the armor for Ed to take advantage of? You know, now that, you know, he does have strength and, and it's been proven Edward can kind of handle people who are stronger than him. It's, he can, you know, the, he has the the endurance, but maybe he does, Ed doesn't need 24 hours to fight him. Uh, he has one shot at Spider-Man, which is a, which is a huge feat. It's kind of, kind of, kind of pushed that over the edge for me. This is why we love having Zeno on the show, Ray. Because really at least sharp. he's giving – a lot of other judges were all fantastic. They say, you know, I need to be told why this will happen. Zeno's like, no, 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 no. So there's this, this, and this. How does your character overcome these specific things, right? This is excellent. This is this is what I live for for a who would win battle because win or lose, this is going to be fantastic. I can't wait for Ray's point number three. Ray, make this a knockout blow because I guarantee you my point number three is what you got. Point number three for Loki. He's now, let's just talk about him as the trickster god because he has extra tricks up his sleeve. And I just want to show you a couple of specific ways that he could beat Edward Elric, as well as some ridiculous things that he's done. First off, he's been known to shapeshift. So he's been known to change his shape into that of a dragon, that of a snake, that of a pigeon. I don't know why he likes turning himself into a pigeon, but he does. And since this is a random encounter, he is a trickster god. So absolutely, if he turned himself into an animal form, there's no necessary way that Edward would know that that's what he's suddenly up against. So if he does turn himself, say, into a pigeon and is able to project a form of himself going this particular direction, that pigeon's going to be able to fly around. Edward's not going to know to look for it. And Loki can drive that stake through the heart from behind at any point that he wants to not just that Loki's been known to use mind control 
Mind control is something else that I don't know that the Full Metal Alchemist and all his travels has really had to deal with. And you talk about, oh, what kind of characters has Loki been able to mind control? Well, Thor. Thor, who's got an indomitable will, who's very, very powerful and strong as guardian god. For not long, but for a short period of time, enough time, he was able to mind control Thor and get him to do his bidding. Now, you can't make him do something that he absolutely would never do, but you can absolutely convince him to do something that might not be in his favor. So he couldn't get Thor to give him the hammer, but he could get him to turn around and take a shot to the back of the head, for example. So he can not only everything else I've said, he can mind control Edward as well. Loki can also open portals. He loves to open portals. James loves to talk about the portal battlefield removal move roughly every other episode, whether the character can do it or not. Loki is an actual character who uses portals for battlefield removal like it's candy at the supermarket candy aisle. Look, he uses it all the time. And if he was to mind control Edward Elric, which he could absolutely do, bring up a portal and just tell Edward, go in there, there's a philosopher's stone. Edward would walk right off the battlefield through the portal and this fight is over. Loki has won. He could convince him to go one way or the other because he's too smart. He's too clever. No, Edward is not dumb. Edward has done his studies. Look, that's one thing I cannot take away from this character whatsoever. He's a smart guy. But Loki's that much more tricky, that much more smarter. Look, he's too powerful. He, Loki has turned an entire city into candy because it amused him. <laughs> an entire metropolitan city. Loki just turned the cars into cotton candy and they started melting and sticking to the, to the pavement. This is what Loki does for fun. So you ask, what could Loki do against a kaiju monster that Edward Elric would conjure forth? I don't know. Turn him into a giant ball of cotton candy and let him dissolve in the sun. This is what Loki can do because he is, as I said before, a god. And the last thing I really want to talk about right here is Edward Elric, he's young. He's naive. He can be manipulated, okay? Mind control or no mind control. Edward Elric is a small character, small in stature, and he's very, very uptight about that fact. Anybody who makes reference to the fact that he is small in battle, and I've seen it time and time again, makes him real, real angry and makes him sort of go into full ballistic all, all for one mode, coming right at you without necessarily a lot of technique behind it. He gets furious when he's called small. And you don't think Loki, the trickster God who can kind of peer into people's minds, who can kind of see what's going on. He can see that he's a smaller statured character. You don't think he can just tell him you're too small. I'm made of frost giant. You're made of small person. And that's not going to drive him absolutely crazy. And if you start to lose your nerve and you start to lose your mind a little bit against a character like Loki, he's going to be able to manipulate you to do whatever he wants you to do, put you in a terrible position and eventually bring you down. So if Loki doesn't specifically kill him, take him out, knock him off the battlefield with his enormous strength, he's going to get him to walk through a portal and remove himself. There's just no way Edward can beat a God. And that's my point. Number three. Got it. Although he did. So that last statement, it's kind of weird. Also, let's talk about mind control. Now, here's the thing. Loki is, is not a true telepathic mind control from what I've researched. It's more of a mind influence. And when he did that with Thor, if I'm not mistaken, Thor was, it was in the middle of a big battle. And Loki wasn't by himself. He went with another army who were all fighting Thor. He did that. And then as Thor's fighting them, that's when he tried to influence Thor. And with Thor's back turned, Loki pulled a race to Canis and hit him in the back of the head <laughs> repeatedly, right? If I'm not mistaken. So mm -hmm. that's a whole thing. Loki doesn't really do his big accomplishments by himself. He really, it's, and by the way, 
not that's smart on his part. He listen. He, he really calls in a lot of help all the time. He teams up with other beings, some more powerful than him, to really set a long term plan and action so that he can be successful with it. That's his mo. When it's it one on one by James, himself, but I would. I would say, though, that, you know, yes, he often uses other people to do his bidding and then he influences from the side. He can do that. But if you have the ability to create clones and illusions, you can create an army anytime you need to. It's not as simple as that, because if that were the case, that would be happening all the time whenever Loki's in trouble. Don't worry, I'll I'll bring up examples when that didn't happen. And by the way, when did Edward Elric lose a fight because he was called small? He did lose his mind. Absolutely. That was a running joke throughout the series. Someone called him small. He's like, I'm not small. I'm not finished growing. That was always fun. Doesn't like milk, whatever. But he didn't lose a fight because of it. It was just kind of more comedic relief. The uh, the aforementioned fight against Mustang when he was snapping his fingers and Edward was having to run for his life. He he made a reference to his small stature and he lost his mind and came right after him. and, and, And quite frankly, he got knocked high up into the sky in the middle of that fight, if I remember correctly. Got it. So a comedic kind of thing that anime pulls off where all of a sudden the hey, eyes look Loki really weird. Loki does comedy. When, when Edward is very young, got it. Probably right when he became, you know, the first, he's 12. Okay, cool. I oh, like I'm how sorry, you like does it he like being small now? Am I, am I mistaken? <laughs> yeah, he loves being small it now. Big, it doesn't bother him even a little bit. Yeah, no. Uh, Loki's lost a few battles when he was a kid. It's all good. Okay, now here's the deal. Let me get to my point number three. And all of this is going to become very clear. So I've been setting this up in a very strategic manner, much like Edward Elric would in a, in a fight. Now, there are three key points for point number three. There's three key things to victory for the Full Metal Alchemist. Number one, here's the deal. Edward Elric can increase his power exponentially. So alchemists can boost their power by using a Philosopher's Stone. He doesn't have that. And that Philosopher's Stone is made up of human souls. Elric learned that by uh, Edward learned that by tapping into his life force, he can exponentially increase his own power as if he had a Philosopher's Stone within him. Look, this is anime. And what does everything happen with an anime? Someone goes God mode or Super Saiyan or there's a huge increase. We saw it with Naruto. This happened here. So he can increase his power. He'll sacrifice his life force, decrease the number of years he will live to increase his power exponentially. By the way, it's kind of how he had to take on that God creature. Let's see, point number two for this one or the second thing. Edward Elric will do whatever it takes to get the win. Literally, whatever it takes. Look, again, I, I mentioned it. he'll lose his life force to tap into that power if that means he's going to get the win. And look, Loki's a master of, of, of mischief. He's a, a magician. He's a sorcerer. He's big in deception and treachery. But the one thing that he's really a master of is surviving and escape, escaping a fight another day. Look, there was this really cool comic book series where Wolverine found one of the Infinity Stones. And Loki went to get it. So he confronts uh, Wolverine and says, give me the stone, you mere mortal. What are you going to do? Give it to me before, you know, I crush you. Wolverine's like, ha, that's cute, and obliterates Loki, like obliterates him. Sorry, kids at home, but I'm going to have to say this. He rips him apart, tears apart his stomach, puts his claws right through Loki's face, rips out an eye, and leaves Loki literally a bloody mess on the ground and walks away with the stone. Random encounter, he did have previous knowledge of Wolverine, didn't help he got wrecked, absolutely wrecked. Those are the fighting skills of Loki when you go up against someone who's ready to pull that off. All right. Now, the third thing, and this is actually really important. You know, we talked about the psychological hangup that, that Edward Elric has being short. Well, Loki's got a much bigger one for him, and that's his main weakness. So according to the Marvel official wiki, he has what's called a superiority inferiority complex. Yeah, that's actually a thing. 
So again, according to the Marvel uh, Wiki, Loki's ambition has proven to be his greatest flaw, as his passion as is his passion hatred for Thor, lust for power, and his tendency to alienate himself through his ignoble actions greatly impedes his ability to bring his well-laid plans to fruition. There's more. Also, as noticed by the supervillain Apocalypse Ray, Loki has a very poor understanding of human nature, which leads him to, a, to severely underestimate his mortal opponents, otherwise known as earthly opponents, resulting in very frequent and humiliating defeat. In the end, Loki does have everything he needs to win this fight the second time they fight. To win, he's going to need to know Edward Elric. He's going to have to study him, discover his weaknesses and his limitations, figure out, oh, he's got this affection for his brother who he screwed over pretty bad. And he's got to set a long-term plan of motion that has many moving parts. All things he may be able to do after he's already very familiar with Edward Elric. So in a first-time random encounter, with no time to prepare, no prior knowledge, Loki is quickly going to see Edward is willing to do whatever the heck it takes to win. Literally, whatever it takes to win, whereas Loki will be willing to do whatever it takes to survive, live through this, and come back to fight another day. That is my point number three. All right. Now, you had you saying all of the right things and then somehow coming to the wrong conclusion. You're sitting here, James, and saying, we have the number two. We're going to add two more to it, and we're going to come up with seven, obviously. No, James, the things that you said don't make any sense. Now, first off, I'd never heard of this Wolverine versus Loki fight before. So while you were talking, I stopped listening to you, and I decided to look it up. That fight took place in the Old West. That fight took place in cowboy Old West times, James. So maybe whatever the heck this weird storyline is, let's give it a huge pile of salt because this is not necessarily the Loki and Wolverine characters, the canon ones that we actually know. This was really more of a spinoff what if kind of a story. It took place outside what, a saloon in the Old West in a ghost town? James, shame on you for trying to bring that and get that across. Now, Edward Elric is somebody who's really only fought other alchemists and other monsters of his alchemist universe. He only really knows what he knows, right? He's studied a lot in books, but at the same time, he's limited to his one realm. But Loki knows nine realms worth of fighters. So I just find it very hard to believe that Loki isn't going to be coming from a place somewhere that Edward can't comprehend. Whereas I don't think Edward's going to be bringing anything to Loki that he hasn't seen and dealt with multiple times before. The fact is, this is the classic matchup that to the exact opposite of what you said in the first encounter, Edward has no chance. He's going to get outgunned, outmanned by Loki. He's going to get essentially bodied as they would say in the fighting game world. And he's just going to get knocked around by Loki thrown through a portal or just knocked away and, and, and hurt real, real bad. But given some time and some study, I could see a later event Edward coming back to have a chance against Loki in a later battle. The exact opposite somehow of what you said. Look, we've seen Edward get beat a lot, a lot. We've seen Loki win a lot of first-time battles against a lot of people. The reason for this is writing, and that's who these characters are. But that's where we are, James. That's what we're dealing with. So at the end of the day, Loki's going to be able to use just too much trickeration, clones, and illusions, and he's going to get Edward in the wrong place. He's going to make fun of his height. Edward's going to lose his mind, and Loki's just going to do what Loki does. Go stabby-stabby in the back, knock Edward around, turn his kaiju to candy, and either portal remove him or just knock him to the point where he doesn't want to get up anymore because the trickster God is too much for this 18-year-old kid. You used an interesting word, trickeration. Trickeration. Mm -hmm. Trickeration. It's a, it's a football term. 
It's okay. That's interesting. That's interesting. Trickeration. Okay, so <laughs> that's interesting. You know, it's just funny. Again, Marvel Wiki, the official Marvel Wiki, has Loki's a very list is a very dangerous character when he's with people, when he has time to plan. On a scale of one to ten, I think, or it's one to seven, his fighting skills are at a three. Which means what? He knows how to pull off a good plan. He's great at strategy. Again, master chess player when he has pawns to play. When it's one-on-one, it's actually quite a different game altogether. He has a ton of losses. But with that being said, Zeno, it's now up to you. You've heard three points from me. You've heard four and a half, really six points from Ray. So now you got to tell us who you think wins this battle. Take us through your process and tell us the victor between Loki and the Full Metal Alchemist. This is tough. Yeah, this, this you guys you guys both put together really really solid arguments. So so much of the fact where I have to do some wiki searching like well let me fact check these guys who have fact checked because I need to know. So mm, <laughs> you know, I think when it comes down to it, I think Rage has brought up a great point with cuz you also brought up a point about Loki's character, which is a really strong argument. But Loki is the trickster god. And I definitely do see a world where Loki calls Edward short, says there's a philosopher's stone in the portal, and sends him through the portal. You know, like, I was like, that is... Because that is also in Ed's character to be like, that's more important than fighting Loki for me right now. I also do think, like, Edward can take... Strong fighters, because there was greed. The greed was the first thing I thought of when I was like, oh, like, really strong fighters. But also, like, Loki has taken a Hulk, a Hulk a barrage, you know. Hulk didn't try to kill Loki, but he took that and kind of got up after. So I just think, like, that endurance really, really goes in his favor. Now, the only thing that I was thinking that could counter that was, like, Edward maybe getting kind of how he fought greed with some, like, for, like, some alchemy on your skin. I, I kind of make your molecules all weak, and that way I can hit you. But also, he's a god, so I was just like, I don't know. You know, I don't know. I don't know what his DNA is made of. I don't know if Ed knows what his DNA is made of, so that might go that might go differently. So that, those, they were kind of tied. And then you had the thing with God. He had contained the power of God, and I looked that up, and I think that kind of... that, And it was like, Father couldn't contain the power of God anymore after he tried to absorb greed. And that was what gave Ed the upper hand. So I was like in an all-out one-on-one fight. Could Ed maybe get some good hits in? Tire, make Loki a little surprised? Yes. Uh, I'm, I'm, I think I'm going to have to give this one to Loki. Oh, and that's that's right. Oh, uh, Zeno. Zeno, the sorry. kids. I know. The kids at I home. think of the children, but I want to make it fair, you know? especially with the magic and the force fields and the barriers and but yeah it was a tough it was a tough decision but i really do think like loki is just he's a god it's very surprising how well edward did because i kind of thought in the beginning it was going to be a sweep i was like there's no way you know with that being said it, it what intrigued me about this battle is exactly what you mentioned Zeno and ray you brought this up too loki has experience and it's not just experience of the same thing in the same realm for mm-hmm. thousand however long he's lived it's cosmic, multi-dimensional, yeah. multiversal, mm-hmm. all over the place. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and and yeah, I, and Edwards in one world. On, yeah, let me add on to that just a little bit because I did see a parcel way that Edward could potentially try to win. And it's, you know, you have to take a little to give a little, exactly. that sort of a, a alchemy thing. Mm-hmm. So I could see Edward sacrificing himself to try to kill Loki. I saw- However, and I didn't, I didn't bring it up because it didn't seem like I needed to in the moment, but if... Because if Edward gave up his own life 
in order to kill Loki, to try to bring this to some sort of weird like draw scenario, Loki has tricked the gods of hell in order to take his name off their list. So he just would immediately reincarnate somewhere else in the universe, mm-hmm. but Edward would still be dead. So even if he was to go full force to try to one for one, take Loki away, mm-hmm. Loki would still come back and, and you'd have to still declare victory. Mm-hmm. The gate of truth though. That's it's so funny. You mentioned that, right? The gate of truth, you know, the thing that opens up mm-hmm. and God mm-hmm. is actually right. truth. Yeah. Um, right. That the problem is that's usually a one way Ticket. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you're, you know, he'd go in to try to do something to Loki. The problem is oh, Loki may have something for yeah. that, but, but yeah, yeah, exactly. But Edward's Shoot. permanently done. I-, I could see Edward going through there and Loki's there waiting for him, quite frankly. Yeah, could be. Just, could very well were, be. There were, there were more scenarios where Loki has a decisive victory than Edward. You know, let Loki get close yeah. enough to punch you like he did Spider Man. It's kind of it, you know? No, that's fair. So, in other words, you know, you're saying you didn't think. That Edward Edward had a chance, but yet it was much closer. It was actually yeah. very close. I didn't. Think I take that as a win. Yeah, I didn't think Edward had a chance when he, when it started. I was like, I don't know what Edward. I don't know what he's gonna do. And then because uh, I was just like, magic kind of counter any an alchemic thing Edward can do. But then you said he fought God, and I was like, you know, I didn't. I must. I didn't remember that. But yes, he did absorb God, and he went hand toe to toe. And then I remember his fight with greed, and he and he's like, I was like, oh yeah, there are the homunculi. They they are technically immortal. They are not human. Like Edward does have experience with things that like are kind of borderline not human. But there is I just think like Loki just has too much in the arsenal to 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 counter, to to create the distance. It's not even really to like go blow for blow, but just like create distance. And like I was just like, I just did I saw more ways Loki could like decisively win, whether it was like based on their personalities or like abilities than Ed. Like Ed would have to like it would be really tough for Edward to win the fight. And I say it's not possible. I thought coming into this match, this was a slam dunk for Loki. And when you got to your final verdict, if I was capable of feeling nervous about a decision, <laughs> it would have happened. Right. Thankfully, I myself am a superhuman. So it didn't happen. <laughs> All right. So, Zeno, listen, again, you, you, you were a fantastic judge. I didn't get the decision I wanted at the same time, though. The way you laid it out. I'm actually very cool with this decision, oddly I like I, I so. like to explain it to you guys. I like to make sure you guys know exactly why, who won, and why who lost. And you know, I just like and I like geeking out too. So the, I like I just like talking. But we we like we love your explanations. That's that's why we do this show, and that's why I love I love a good decision. You know, where it's really thought out, and that's what get the fans like really pumped about this episode. So, yeah. with that being said, your awesomeness is is awesome. You're fantastic. Please Thank come back so on. Please and uh, in the meantime, please tell everyone where they can find you. You guys can find me on social media everywhere at Childish Gamzino on Instagram. There is an underscore, but you should probably find it the same. That's kind of it. Very cool. And enjoy uh, all, you know, Hawks on My Hero Academia. Thank you. Um, the series on Netflix. I mean, you're all over the place. And by the yeah. way, we love seeing you, uh, your rise and continue your rise Aww. to superstardom. So uh, we couldn't it. be happier for you. You guys as well. I'll keep tuning in for more episodes of this. <laughs> this is great. Love it. Yeah. Love it. Ray Sicanus, congratulations, sir. You did well. <laughs> you you had a very powerful opponent. You repped him very well. Yeah. You had me on the ropes. You did a great job with this one. This There's nothing I can put down with what you said. This was really, really well done on your part. So with that said, please tell everyone where they can find you. 
Well, I got a couple things I want to say first because this is my podium and I'm going to take it because I was very, very distressed last month in our Naruto versus Omni-Man episode where Omni-Man fell to Naruto, another shonen oh, type of I character. I totally would have. And I was... Yeah, yeah, yeah that, well, that checks out. I, that checks out. Thank Not you. Exactly, Not right? Exactly. Not, that checks out. Naruto has like no. yeah, uh, planet yeah. bombs. Well, he, yeah. according, <laughs> according to the people at home watching and according to the messages that I got, James told nothing but outright lies and half-truths about Naruto for most of the entire battle, and my personal knowledge of Naruto wasn't up to snuff to call him out on it, which is why I've done more research into Full Metal Alchemist and Edward Elric today, because fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, as our former president, George W. Bush, once said, fool me twice, and you'll never be fooled again, and I will never (laughs) be fooled again. I, I, I want to. Yes. I, I also got a lot of messages and emails, more congratulations than anything, saying thank you for repping Naruto the right way yeah. and getting the victory. That was a well lies. Played, sir. That's an easy one. Lies. That's an that's an easy one. Now I do want to read some because I found this out. I was looking through some of our five star reviews in order to prep, and I found some drama from last year in our review section. Ooh. So I want to read two reviews here that directly relate to each other. Tell me where we're here. The first one is from Pineapple King One, and the name of it is five stars. Ray was wrong. He's already wrong. Superman should have won, and I'll paraphrase, in his battle against Goku, hashtag Ray was wrong. That's what Pineapple King said. Followed by somebody named The Mighty Jeff. This ain't about the podcast, but five stars. Pineapple King won. You couldn't be more wrong. Goku would win, and he has won. There is an actual battle in comics where Goku beats Superman. This actually exists. If you did your research, you would know about this. Some DC writers even agree that Goku would beat Superman. So if you think Superman would win, I will fight you. So there's some (laughs) drama happening in our in our uh, in our five star review pile, and look, when I see drama like that, I have to bring it to the show because it was exciting to me that somebody was getting yelled at who wasn't me. So I'm very excited <laughs> about this. Now, Loki's a great character. Everybody should watch the Loki show on Disney Plus. It actually drops today. Nice. So let's have a Loki day. Woo! Let's have a celebration of Loki, Loki day. day. Let's watch the first episode of the Disney Plus show and let's celebrate Loki. But let's not forget to celebrate me as well. You can find me on Twitter <laughs> at Almighty Ray find me i'm gonna get that blue check mark sooner rather than later they've opened up verifieds again a couple of weeks ago and i'm striving for it so hashtag get ray verified let's bring this home hashtag good luck with that hashtag great all right so ray everyone can enjoy your greatness well done great victory and you can enjoy everything you do online with your podcast knowing is half the podcast and the other my three dads. My three dads. All awesome shows. You've listen enjoyed. to them all. They listen need to listeners. All. Yes. Listen, <laughs> all of them. Enjoy them as well. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook by typing in at James Gabsey. Remember to join the official Hoodwin Facebook group to make suggestions for a matchup for the show and be part of our growing community. You can also find us on Instagram at Who Would Win Show. And don't forget to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and wherever else you go for your podcast and video content. And check out the Who Would Win website at whowouldwinshow.com to access all of our past podcast episodes. On behalf of myself, Ray Sicanus, and the rest of the amazing Who Would Win team, thank you once again for watching and checking out another episode of Who Would Win. We'll see you next time. Remember, 
crying when Optimus Prime died. Or the days when every series had a ham-fisted anti-drug episode. Or when you wrote fan fiction about how the Animaniacs were so hot in that water tower, so they took off all their clothes and they started... No! No, different podcast. This one is Knowing is Half the Podcast, a show devoted to the best and worst animated memories of your childhood. Every week we recap a cartoon from the past to see if they're as good as you remember. They're not. What are you talking about? They're great! You're both wrong. None of them get good until they're in a water tower. No! And Knowing is Half the Podcast. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. 